This morning, we're continuing our sermon series on Scripture selfies, where we're trying to read passages from the Gospel of Luke and look at some of the characters in those passages and trying to learn a little bit more about ourselves as we see ourselves in the passage and learn about ourselves just as we learn from the characters. And this morning, our passage comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 16. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." And he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me the proverb, Doctor, cure yourself, and will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that you have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to the widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up and drove him out of the town and led him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Over this past week, my mind has been on my childhood Sunday school teacher, Miss Helton. Miss Helton was one of those people that loved me into being. She taught me kindergarten and preschool, uh, Sunday school. She's the one that taught me the stories of Zacchaeus and the stories of Noah and the stories of the disciples casting their nets into the sea. And she was kind of like our Mr. Spencer or our Miss Lois here at Faith Presbyterian. She always loved me and always taught me how to be a, a good little boy and taught me what it meant to be loved by God. Even as an adult, when I had gone back to my childhood church, Miss Helton was always there to greet me and, and to remind me once again of those simple lessons of being loved by God. She's been in the hospital this week and, and sick this week, but even at times when she was sick in the past and I would go home, she would still find a way to, to come to the church and greet me and say hello to me. In fact, years ago, before I came here to Tallahassee, the the minister at the church was on sabbatical, and so I was invited to come in and fill the pulpit for one Sunday. And even though Miss Elton was sick, she heard that I was coming, and so she found a way to get to church and was sitting right up front and center to listen to my sermon. 
I have to tell you, I have no idea what I preached on on that Sunday, but I do remember, without a shadow of a doubt, Ms. Helton told me it was a wonderful sermon, that she was so proud of me, and, and she invited me home to have one of her famous apple pies. We all need people like Miss Helton in our lives, people who love us into being, who teach us about Jesus, who teach us about what it means to be a child of God. And you probably can think of some of those people in your own life, people here at our church or people from your childhood church, people who taught you what it meant to be loved by God. And I would like to think that Jesus had people like that in his own life too. In our passage this morning, Jesus goes back to his hometown synagogue. He goes back to his hometown of Nazareth after he's been out preaching and teaching and, and healing people all throughout the countryside. He goes back to Nazareth, and there he goes to the synagogue just like he always did on the Sabbath. And I can imagine there were people who were so glad to see Jesus. His Sabbath school teacher just reached out and pinched his cheeks and said, Oh, we're so glad to see you. We've missed you. You've grown up to be such a fine young man. And some of his friends from back in the day who never left Nazareth threw their arms around him and talked about the good old days. And maybe a few other people said, Oh, he used to play in my backyard. It's so great to see him. Maybe he'll come and, and, and tell us some of the things that he's been telling all those other people all over the countryside. We've heard good things about Jesus. Well, as things started to calm down, Jesus is in the back of the room waiting for his chance, and people start to come forward and read from the Torah and teach from the Torah, as was their custom. And finally, Jesus catches the eye of one of the lead teachers, and he's motioned forward. And he comes forward, and he, he, he gets that scroll from Isaiah, and you can just see all the people, imagine all the people there in the synagogue, so glad to hear Jesus speak. Oh, he's picked out one of our favorite passages from Isaiah, the one about the, the blind receiving their side, the one about the captives being set free, the one about the, the year of the Jubilee. Won't that be so grand? But then all of a sudden, after Jesus reads all of those things, he rolls up the scroll and sets the scroll down, and he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Well, something about that today caused a commotion. The people in the, the congregation, the people in the synagogue started saying, hey, isn't this Joseph's child? What does he mean about today? And Jesus goes on even to say, and not only is it today, but there are people, Gentiles all over the world who are, are unlike you, who are living out this law today in a better way than you are. Talk about breaking your mama's heart. You can just see the synagogue just erupt in that moment. They were so frustrated, so angry that this Jesus, this child of their synagogue had come home and told them that today was the day that all of these things should be fulfilled. Now, as I said to you before, we're, we're going through this sermon series where we're trying to see ourselves in the passage, and there are not too many characters in this passage, so once again, we have to try to see ourselves in the crowd and imagine ourselves, and imagine what was so offensive to the people in the crowd about this word today, Jesus saying that today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In some ways, we know Jesus is declaring to the people in the crowd, in the, in the congregation, that He is the Messiah, and He is the one that's going to lead the world to all of these wonderful things that they had been hearing about in the prophet Isaiah. But I think there was something specifically about that word today. Today means that it affects all of us. Today puts the responsibility on us. And I have to say that even now there are people in our churches and Christians around the world who like to think of the gospel as something that either happened in the past 
or will happen in the future, but maybe not necessarily today affecting us. Let me tell you what I mean. There are people, Christians around the world, who like to think of the gospel as something that Jesus did in the past. It was a historical event, the event of the life, death, and resurrection, the Easter story. And we truly believe that, that Easter happened. Easter was an historical event that truly happened and turned the world upside down, changed things forever. And that our job now that Jesus has done His work is that we're just supposed to believe. But the problem with that, problem with thinking that Easter is something that happened in the past, is that we tend to neglect the work that Jesus calls us to do here and now. We tend to neglect the pain and the suffering of the people that need us right here and now, that need Jesus right here and now. Here's a little story to explain that. There was a a man in the the 1800s named William Booth. He was the founder of the Salvation Army. And one day, he had a vision just before he started gathering together people to work on on this new group. He had this vision of a a little boy who was out in the middle of a lake and he was drowning and crying out for help, asking people to help him. And as he was there drowning, a a minister came up to the side of the lake and, and saw that little boy out in the lake and said, Do not fear. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. He continued to cry out from the river bank, the, the lake bank. Do not fear. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. But as he continued to cry that out, the boy just continued to struggle, continued to ask for help. And at that point, a homeless man walked by and and saw the little boy out in the lake and he dove headlong into the lake and swam out to them and rescued the boy and pulled him up to the riverbank. And he said to the little boy, God indeed loves you. And in this vision, William Booth realized that it was the second man who preached the gospel because the second man didn't ignore the pain and the suffering that the little boy was enduring. That's what happens when we think of the gospel of the work of Jesus Christ as something that was happening in the past and we think it's just ours to believe. We forget that Easter morning is every morning. It's not just something that happened in the past, but it's something that happens every day when we rise up. We're called to be Easter people every day, caring for the people who are hurting, caring for the people who are in need, caring for the people who are crying out, asking for God's help. We're called even now not to ignore their pain, but to answer their pain. And there certainly are a lot of people around us right now who are hurting, especially right now with all that our nation is going through. With all that we're going through with the pandemic, with the rise of racism once again, and and our need to try to solve those problems that have been plaguing us forever, the rise of violence every day that I I sure thought we had learned how to solve our problems in a different way. Those problems are still here, and Jesus Christ calls us to address those people crying out in need, not just to say, oh, just believe. No, to be God's hands and feet in the work in the world even now. So there are those people who think of the gospel as something happening in the past, but I dare say there are people that think God's work is still yet to come in the future. And after all, that makes a lot of sense to me. We certainly look around this world, this imperfect world, and know that God still has a lot to do. There's a lot that still needs to be done that God's work isn't finished yet. And we don't ignore the pain and the suffering of the people in the world, but what we do is we sort of relinquish that calling. We say, there's not much I can do about it. It's just so overwhelming right now. I really just need God's kingdom to come to God for God to fix these problems. It's, it's just more than we can handle. 
And so we look to the future and hope to the future that God's kingdom is on the way, that God will fix all those things when we see God once again face to face. But once again, in doing so, it's not that we ignore the pain of the people around us. What we are ignoring is God's call upon our life to live as kingdom people here and now. God calls us every day in the midst of the pain and the suffering that we see in the world, in the midst of the strife, in the midst of people hurting. God calls us to to reach out to them, to work for those things here and now, to work for the peace and the justice of the people of the world. Not to just hope with prayers that God will fix it on God's own, but God calls us to be a part of the answer. Not in the future, but today. I've told you this one before, but years ago when I was a middle school student going through confirmation class, we had the opportunity to meet with our senior pastor at that time. His name was Ed McLeod, a a mentor of mine. And we had the opportunity to meet with him once or twice, usually to ask him some difficult questions about what things that might be stumbling blocks to our faith. And you might be surprised at the depth of the questions that middle schoolers came up with. We asked all sorts of things about things that were going on in the world, justice issues, theological issues, and many of us ask biblical issues too. Things like, why does the dinosaurs not find their way into the Bible? Or did, was the world really created in seven days, like uh, Genesis says? But there was one child who asked our minister, Ed McLeod, if he knew or if he could tell us when the world was going to end. That was actually not a surprising question because this was back in the time when things like the Left Behind series were just getting started and people were wondering, when was God's kingdom going to come? After all, we pray for that every single Sunday. Well, Ed quoted some scripture to us, but then finally he answered that question with another question. He said, if if you knew that the world was going to end this next week, would you change your life? Would you live your life any differently? And almost immediately to a person, every single student said, yes, I would. I would change my life. I would treat my brother and sister a little bit nicer because I know that's what God would want me to do. And I would probably take some of the money that I've hoarded away and I would probably try to spend it on people who are hungry because I know that's what God wants me to do. Or I would try to ask for forgiveness from people that I've hurt or maybe even forgive some people that I've hurt because that's what God calls us to do or... Maybe even more so, if I knew the world was coming to an end, I would take the time to go and tell all those people in my life that I love them because maybe I've taken them for granted too long. And after all of these answers came, Ed sat back and listened and then finally responded, well, if you would change your life, then what are you waiting for? And in his own way, what Ed was telling us is, today is the day. Don't wait for the future. Today is the day. And that's what Jesus is telling this people in the synagogue in Nazareth. Today is the day. Today the Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The time is now. The kingdom kingdom of God is at hand. And we need to do that work, start that work right now. Not believe that it's all taken care of in the past or hope that it happens sometime in the future. We need to start it right now. Now, now don't get me wrong. We can't fix all of our problems all by ourselves in just a few days, even today or tomorrow. As you know, there are problems plaguing this world, violence, racism, suffering, hunger, things that are are too big for us to just fix in a matter of a few hours or a few days. 
But Jesus Christ calls us to start today, to work today, to make peace in the world and justice in the world today, not to wait till tomorrow, but to do it today. As you know, this is Martin Luther King weekend, and Dr. King talked often about the urgency of today. I was reading one of his sermons this past week, a sermon that he preached just a year before he died. It was a sermon in response, a Christian response to the Vietnam War. And as you might imagine, it was a controversial sermon. But in that sermon, he said these words, and I'd like to read a little excerpt from that. Dr. King said, This call for a worldwide fellowship that lifts up neighborly concern beyond one's tribe, race, class, and nation is in reality a call for an all-embracing and unconditional love for all people. Now when I speak of love, I'm not speaking of some sentimental and weak response. I'm speaking of that force which all of the great religions have seen as the supreme unifying principle of life. Love is somehow the key that unlocks the door which leads to the ultimate reality. The belief about ultimate reality from all religions is beautifully summed up in the first epistle of St. John. Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth God not, for God is love. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. So let us hope that this spirit will become the order of the day. We can no longer afford to worship the God of hate or bow before the altar of retaliation. The oceans of history are made turbulent by the ever-rising tides of hate. History is a clutter with the wreckage of nations and individuals that pursued this self-defeating path of hate. We are now faced with the fact that tomorrow is today. We are confronted with the fierce urgency of now. The fierce urgency of now. For Jesus, that meant that today is the day. Today is the day where we need to start acting like children of God. Today is the day when we need to help those blind people finally see, when we need to help those hungry people finally eat, when we need to help those people who feel downtrodden and persecuted to lift them up. Today is the day when we need to reach out to our enemies and not return violence with violence, but to return violence with love. Today is the day when the Scripture is fulfilled in our hearing. You know, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works. This past weekend, or this past week, I was talking to a church member who recently lost her mother during the holidays. She and her husband have been longtime church members, and she was telling me over the telephone just the experience of what it was like to, to care for her mother for so many months. And, and all the theological things she was learning just by going through that with her husband and with her mom. We talked for a good little while, and then finally, right at the end of the conversation, she said to me these words. She said, Brad, the one thing I want to make sure I say to you, the past is gone. The future is uncertain, but the present is the time we have to love our neighbor as ourself. Today is the day. Today is the day. And so may the Scripture be fulfilled in our hearing. Thanks be to God. Amen.